0: good morning friends good morning welcome all of you welcome lou good morning how are we doing today good it's a gloomy morning outside it's windy gloomy yes gloomy windy and the leaves are all coming down yep but if you're cheerful within if you're happy within that's all that matters they okay. can be gloomy all at once just be happy um So today we're going to be doing chapter 16, verses 15, 16, and 17 in this episode. If you remember last time when we did verses 13 and 14, uh, Krishna in the Gita spoke about first the body and the mind in terms of the asuras, the demons, the ones who are filled with negative uh, influences and drives. Those people... Now, today he says, in verse 15, this is at the intellectual level. What does their intellect think? So the verse goes like this. I am rich. I am well born into a good family. Who else is equal to me? I will sacrifice. I will give. I will rejoice. Thus are they, the Asuras, deluded by ignorance. So what he's saying is that those who are totally deluded, delusional, due to the lack of discrimination, what should be done and what shouldn't be done, will say, I have wealth. I have money. I was born in a very good family. Who else is there who is equal to me? I'm superior to everybody. I will perform rituals, whatever it needs to better myself. I will donate. I will enjoy. So what does all this mean? We all know that the Gita, the Upanishads, basically call people either gods or demons. And that's just a way of saying that those who are filled with um, needs for themselves, selfishness and uh, lust and desires are demons. And those who are sacrificing, serving other people are considered gods. So... There are no real demons or real gods, okay? Right. So verse 15, in that, the first thing he says is, I am rich, I am wealthy. What does that mean? So we tend to, in this culture, um, in this world, tend to give a higher respect to somebody who has wealth, who has money, who is rich. Right. But the scriptures say, that money is actually, doesn't really belong to anybody. It transfers, goes back and forth between one person and another. You can just hoard it if you want, but it serves satisfaction if you spend it, right? It may give you security or you think because you have, you know, a ton of money in the bank that you say, okay, I have all this money. But until you spend it, it doesn't really give you much happiness. Why? Because money only begets, only gets you, what is the pleasure associated with the sense organs. The sense organs, the five sense organs, the five organs of action, and the mind. Mind is also considered by some to be a sense organ. So you might have mental peace or security that you think, a false sense of security. I have all this money. Nothing can happen to me. Or this money can buy me uh, lots of good music to listen to, or it can buy me good food. All of these things can be begotten with money, but there's lots of things that money cannot get. So when when Asura says, I am rich, I am wealthy, all he has done is he has used his techniques, his manipulation, whatever, to transfer money from somebody else's pocket to his own pocket. That's his only merit. And after all, he's saying because of that, praise me, praise me, say good things about me. You know, say how wealthy I am or how generous I am, etc. But wealth, people used to ask me before I met my teacher, what is what is wealth? How much is a person really worth? How much is a rich man really worth? And different people would come up with different numbers. You know, in India, if you were before I left India. Uh, 10 lakhs at that time was considered to be somebody who was very rich. Daslach, 10 lakhs, which is a million rupees. Now, that's nothing. When I first came to this country, people used to say, if you have $100,000 or a million dollars, you're very, very rich. That number kept going up and up. But if I ask you, what do you think makes a person rich? Think to yourself before you go on, what would be the answer? My teacher taught me this story. He says there's a boss in an office, and he has, like in India, you have chaprasis, or what are in English known as punes. They're like uh, people who sit outside your office on a stool all day long. As long as the big boss is in the office, these guys stand almost like guard outside. But... He yells at them, yells from inside, get me a cup of tea, get me a glass of water, go downstairs and pick up such and such. And that guy just runs and does it. One day, the door was open and the boss was talking. And he said he could hear him on the phone talking to one friend after the next. He says, can you lend me 10,000 rupees? No, you can't. OK, no problem. I'll call such and such. And he calls another person, t'other other person. Finally, the chaprasi, who has you know, paid very meager sums compared to what the boss makes. Goes inside the office. He says, boss, I've been working for you for so many years. I've served you loyally. You're like God to me. I heard you talking. I'm sorry, but I heard you asking for 10,000 rupees. Can I help you? And the boss says, oh, yeah, you can. That's so nice of you. But really, you've been a loyal servant. I'm in a jam. Even though I make millions of rupees, I'm short 10,000 rupees. And I need it right away. And everybody seems to be tight with money. These are all multimillionaires that he's talking to. And the chaprasi, the pun, says, ah, boss, I can give you, lend you 10,000 rupees. And the boss says, you have it? He says, yeah. He says, I get a very meager salary of 10,000 rupees a year, but I have no needs. I have no expenses. I live in a house that's my family's home that's been paid for. I eat very you know, meager foods. My wife, myself, my kids, we're very happy and content. So I have a lot of savings. Every year, I just save everything you give me. And he lent him the 10000 So what my teacher taught us is that wealth is not measured in dimensions of numbers. So you have a million rupees, you could still be poor. You could have 10 million, your assets could be, and you could still be poor because when you need it, you don't have it. So wealth is a, an equation where depending on how your spending is, and your spending is an equation of your desires. If your desires are great, and we'll come to this in the verse 20, which is the last one we'll do today. In that, your desires ask you to spend money more and more and more. I earn $10 million a year but i want this yacht i want this airplane i want this private helicopter i want this and you spend the entire 10 million plus you have credit and you spend that whereas the chaprasi the pune the guy who sits outside the boss's door spends nothing and has huge amounts of savings he feels extremely wealthy beyond his means by controlling his desires to spend he just puts it away and he feels very secure etc so This Asura says, I have wealth, I have money. Keep that in mind, that he may think he has all of this, but if he has desires to just spend it, he's not very rich. Second thing he says is, I am well born. I'm born into a good family. Meaning what? For the last so many generations, each one of his family members has been a very staunch supporter of the scriptures, does the right things, does good things, very well looked upon by society, charitable, etc. He's got good ancestors. But he himself, even though he boasts of his ancestors, because of his asuric, demonic needs and desires and personality, is still an asura. The fact that he has so many ancestors who are well-born means nothing. He therefore feels, well, I am well-born, therefore I am superior. I have good social status. And people who look at him actually are disappointed. They say, what a guy. His ancestors, I knew his father, I knew his grandfather, such wonderful people, and look at him. Then the verse says that this asurap says, I will do sacrifice, I will do rituals. You know, every religion has rituals. You, uh, in the Christian religion, you go to the church, you light candles, you say the rosary, you say prayers, you attend mass every Sunday, etc." In the Hindu religion, there's a lot of rituals. So he says, I do rituals. But such a person does them for selfish purposes only. Those rituals, whether it be in any religion, from an asura, from a demon, is all for just I, I, I. What do I get out of this? I'll do this, and I in, in return, I want this. Then the last one, he says, I will donate. I will give. I will be charitable. But in an asura's case, It is always only for selfish interests. His interests are, I'll donate to the school, but I want my name put up on the top, on on a billboard, saying this is donated by X, Y, and Z, so that when my son goes to school, he looks up and he says, that is my dad's name. My dad donated money to this. So it's all for selfish purposes. That is the difference between an Asura, uh, and, and these are all the intellectual components of an Asuric, a demonic person. He's only thinking about himself. Verse 16. Sorry, give me one second. Verse 16 says, Bewildered by many kinds of thoughts, entangled in a net because of a lack of discrimination, being addicted to sensual enjoyments, these people fall into a foul hell, a naraka. Sanskrit word for hell is naraka, N-A-R-A-K. Um, by the way, this may be a good time to say the original Sanskrit name for Norway was Nurg, which was a way of saying Nurg. Nurg, N-O-R-G-E is the current official name of Norway (laughs) and Swarga, S-W-E-R-G-E is the Sanskrit word for uh, heaven. So Sweden was its official word? If you look it up on Google, is Svarga, and ofi- Norway's official name is Nurga. So mm-hmm. when the original Sanskrit sailors went to Scandinavia, they called it Svarga and Nurk because it was so beautiful at times of the year when it's summer, and so yeah. hellish in winter. They called it sweet. sweet they called Norway Nirk. Anyway, these asuras fall into a foul naraka bewildered by many kinds of thoughts, entangled in a net because of a lack of discrimination, being addicted to sensual enjoyments, they fall into a foul hell. So there's various kinds of thoughts that these um, all of us have, right? We're all, why a net? A net does two things. A net actually covers things, also, but it also captures things. You can't escape from the net, like fish in a water. Right. So the net covers and captures. Our emotions and thoughts, such as worry or concern, anxiety, fear, desires, anger, all of this is captured within us by the net. So from verse 16, which is this one that we're doing, to verse 21, talks of the doom of the asuras, what really causes his downfall. This is one of them, these emotions and thoughts. And then the next thing is, why the word fall? He falls into uh, Naraka. Why he falls? Because nobody voluntarily goes down into hell. Nobody voluntarily says, I want to go down there. So he he says, fall. Each word can be dissected. It's fascinating when you know somebody who's really good at interpretation. And he talks about each word in every verse, why this word is used. It's fascinating. Um, So what is hell? What is narak? These are fields of experience. So each one of us has a field, a moment, a time period, when you have a certain experience. You could have a joyful, and these are temporary. You could have a joyful experience. Your child gives you some great news, and you say, oh my goodness, I'm so happy for you. He's really happy as a parent. It's a field of experience that lasts for a certain period of time and then dissipates. That field of experience can be positive or negative. If it's a place of pain or agitation, that is called hell during that time. Right. If it's a place where you have uh, happiness and joy, that's a he- heaven. So when we die, the scriptures say you are either in hell or heaven. That's what the Upanishads say, Gita says. That was then carried, because it was the oldest. It was way before any other religion. It was 5000 years ago so it was a pro- the gita was written 3000 bce upanishads were written many many years before that so gita and upanishads talked about hell and heaven and each other religion after that carried it forward but the gita says when you die your mind your intellect your vasanas continue to float until it gets another body while it's floating in this uh, ether it is Because of the vasanas, because of what has happened in its karma, what it's done, what bad things, it could be in a place of pain. A mind can be very painful. That is considered hell. That while he's waiting for another body to come into, he is going through pain, agitation, mental agitation, while he's not in a body. That's hell. And he goes, he may wait one year, six years, eight years before he's reborn. And that is a time of hell that he's going through. It's a temporary field because then he gets a body, he forgets all about that and he goes through life all over again. So Gita says, selfish, immoral actions cause mental agitation, cause suffering and sorrow, which is hell. Important thing here is that you are punished by your action, not for your action. Very, very, very important for yeah. you to all to remember that. You are punished by your action, not for your action you are rewarded by your action not for your action what we all think of is that god punishes us or god rewards us for what we have done or fought for what bad things we have done he punishes us or he rewards us for the good things we have done no you punish yourself you reward yourself and we know this right you guilt about something just as a very Superficial example. You feel so guilty because I remember one time when I was a young boy, somebody had brought a BB gun, an air rifle, and it just little pellets. And he said, just aim at something. This is how you aim, and you shoot. And he said, see that bird sitting up there on the telephone wire? Aim at it, put it like this, and shoot. And I did, not realizing as a boy, What I never even expected that the bullet would fly so pellet would fly so high so far and would actually hit the bird. I never thought of it. I aimed, I shot. Next thing I knew, the bird fell down dead from the wire. I felt so guilty. I felt so bad when I rushed up to the bird to see what had happened, and the bird was motionless with uh, uh, blood coming from its body. I felt so guilty. I meant I punished myself for my action. I was punished by my action, not for it. It wasn't that an outside entity, a God or God punished me. I punished myself. And I am, this is going back maybe 60, 65 years more. I still punish myself for that. That why did I do such a thing?
1: It's so funny
0: because I had the exact same experience when I was a kid the exact same experience. Tell me. And and, No, you couldn't have described it any better. I got a BB gun. I forget whether a friend had it or I got it as a gift or something. Went out on my front step and saw a bird on a telephone wire, never thinking I'd hit it. I hit it and killed it. And in my life, and I'm young, in my life, that's still a very traumatic event to me. That's That's right. sticks with me. So we are punished by our actions, not for our actions. We tend to say God punished me. We tend to say God rewarded me. And it's a little hazy because we also talk of karmas. There is something that God sets in motion for your karma, but those are for, not for your actions, but by your actions. Enough. I think we've beaten that to the ground. It's we understand what point, that means. Though, it's a very important point. Yeah. So remember that you, your conscience, your, your self punishes and rewards you for what you've done. In addition to the karmas, of course. Now, verse 17. Self-conceited, self-aggrandized, vain, stubborn, overpowered by the pride and arrogance of wealth. These asuras perform sacrifices in name only. Out of ostentation, contrary to ordinance and not as prescribed, but by pretending to follow the scriptures. So these people think of themselves as noble and portray themselves as noble to others. They perform religious rites only to glorify themselves. Religious rites are to be performed with dedication and dedication and devotion to the Supreme. You really have to say, OK, I am devoting myself. I'm dedicated to Brahman. To be selfless to sacrifice. Sacrifice what? Not an animal or a bird. Sacrifice your ego, your i me, me. Sacrifice that. And be grateful for what you have from Brahman. Be grateful for everything you have, for the air that you breathe, for the water that you drink, for the fact that you, know, you have the right temperature and humidity in the atmosphere around you. Utmost humility, sacrifice, and gratitude is what is necessary. The fact that these asuras do religious rites and do whatever it is that they're doing, a puja, a prayer, going to the church, having a—you uh, know giving money to a church or a temple to say, here, feed everybody today, but make sure that everybody knows I did it, that's not good enough. These asuras have no divine virtues. They think that they're greater than others, grander than others. They don't give anything to others, not even praise or service or respect. They think they're special to God. So this is an important thing for you to remember also, that giving praise, people have a hard time sometimes giving money or or clothes. I've seen people having a hard time to part with. They will keep it. They will keep it. They will keep it because they say, I might need it sometime. And they die and their kids come and they take Everything that is there, blindly pick it up, throw it in a dumpster and say, Hor. they don't even give it to somebody else, just throw it away, say, I need it out of this house. Right. So all of these things that you save and keep without giving to others that might truly help somebody, give it, give it away, do charity. If not material objects, at least be free with your honest praise Because I find that there are certain people, no matter what happens, they don't praise. Others lavishly, lavish you with praise. Respect. For those that deserve respect, make sure you show them that respect. That is also a form of charity, not just money. People think of charity only as money, but praise, um, respect, and your sacrifice of of your deeds, your work your favors that you do to people. That's also important. But Asuras don't. Asuras don't give off their praise. They don't give off their respect. They don't give off their sacrifice. They want others to work on them and give them all of this. Lou, um, what is it? 25 minutes so far? 24, yeah. 24, good. I'm getting the hang of it now. I know how long I've been talking. Yeah, you do this long enough, you start to get the feel for the time. (laughs) Any questions, any comments, anything else I should add? No, I I think it's very important to go back on the point that you are not punished or rewarded for your deeds. It's by your, deeds. by your deeds. Right. It's so important because people tend to externalize and they give up responsibility for everything they do and what happens to them when in fact they have a lot of control over it. That's right. Okay. Friends, we will see you in the next episode and we will do the next three or four verses. And, uh, I look forward to seeing you there